Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast, brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here, as always, on the Greatest Games Podcast, a chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. As always, it can be their time as a head coach, an assistant coach, a JV coach, a freshman coach, an AU coach, just whatever game they consider to be their greatest game. And Chris, you know, it could also be a retired coach, which is who we have today, the retired coach from Madison College, and he's in his 30s, so I want to hear more about that. He is currently running his own business at Billy Kegler Basketball. Bill Kegler, welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I'm not sure if the retired is the first time you've had that, but I like to be a trendsetter. I can handle that. Retired at 35. I like that. That's how do you, how do you get that? No, I mean, you still obviously work, but retired from basketball coaching. That's, that's nice, but you'll get back in it someday. You know, you will. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. It's in my <laughs> blood. You know, my, my dad has definitely instilled that in me with, with him bringing me into the basketball world and bringing me up in it. There's no doubt that I can't can live without it. Like you said, you talked to us a little bit before the podcast, you have a young daughter who, who, who you're concentrating on raising now, but uh, eventually she'll, she'll move on from the house and you'll have plenty of time to coach again. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, because my wife had mentioned to me after I was done coaching, she said, you know, I didn't sign up for this when I married you. My deal was that you were going to be gone all the time, <laughs> and doing everything. and so, you know, we've had to rework our relationship a little bit. So we'll go back to the way she wants it. <laughs> oh that's uh, terrific it's a neat world too and just so our listeners are aware we've gotten in touch with you through our good friend steve collins with teachhoops.com and all of his coach unplugged podcast and all the million podcasts that he has so thank you again to, to coach collins for for this connection so we're looking forward to learning more about you too here coach. yeah speaking of someone who can't see his wife anytime is coach <laughs> collins with all the stuff he does i mean he probably sees his wife once a month at, at a good rate. <laughs> and his wife's probably in heaven. Who knows? <laughs> you know, she, she loves not seeing him. She does her own thing. He does his thing. And, and life's great. That's how my wife wants to see it, Dean. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Coach, why don't you take us through uh, your basketball journey up there in Wisconsin and, and how you got to where you are today through the game of basketball? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I grew up in a little town called Waterloo, Wisconsin. It's just east of Madison, about 20 minutes. And my dad started the youth program there with my sister's team, who's four years older than me, and then mine. And just going through, I was always in the gym with him somewhere doing something. And then in high school, one of the local Ys was expanding, expanding their youth basketball camps out on Saturday morning. And they asked me to help run the camp. And I was like 16. And I show up the first day, like thinking, okay, you know, I'll help these kids run through some drills. And they hand me a bag of balls. And they said, all right, here's 30 kids. Here's the roster. Have at it. And just from there, it's kind of been figure it out as you go and, you know, fake it till you make it. And, you know, I just did what I knew, which to that point was what my dad had always taught us and just kind of went through it from there, um, graduated and, and went and played at University of Wisconsin lacrosse, um, had a really good career there. And then as part of my graduation, I actually had to do an internship and I interned at IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida, which back then wasn't as well known as it is now with the prep school stuff and them churning out, you know, top 50 kids every year. I had a really cool opportunity because we ran the summer camp and we had kids from all over the world coming there for summer camps, but we also had the pre-draft stuff. So I got to learn and expand my knowledge base a ton 
just from being around the other coaches at IMG Academy, but also these European players coming in there, the WNBA players, the NBA guys working out. And that was a really cool experience. Uh, and then from there, I did what I call my basketball independent study. I went and lived in New Zealand and Australia for six months. Because as a player in college, you know, I didn't have the ability to study abroad. And that was something that I was pretty passionate about because my sister had done it. My brother-in-law had done it. And, and I was like, man, this is something I got to do. And I knew that if I didn't do it right out of college, I'd get in the workforce and I'd never get to it. So I went and did that. And I actually had a teammate playing professionally outside of uh, Sydney there. Um, and went and watched him play. And then I just went to different schools and different youth programs there and learned good things, learned bad things. Uh, Kirk Penny was a big time Badger, you know, the 2000 Final Four team. He was playing for the New Zealand Breakers at the time. So I went to one of his games, uh, Rick Rickard who was on that team as well, played at the University of Minnesota, you know, Midwest guys who, who guys in the Midwest would know. And, and I did that for six months and then I came back and uh, IMG had, had a position available for me. So I went down, did the whole interview and everything. And it turned out that they ended up firing the guy who wanted to hire me. So there was no job available. So I was kind of like out on my backside. Uh, so I moved back in with my parents and was just doing whatever it took to claw and stay alive substitute teaching, working at a Nike store. And then I started volunteer assistant coaching at Madison College. The coach there was my AAU coach when I was a little kid. And he's the one who taught me my form and shooting and had kind of been a mentor for me through my college years with my workouts and, and various things that I needed in life. And I would work and then go to practice and then go work some more. And finally, one day in February, one of the assistant coaches said, hey, did you see this place at just the game field house in the Dells is hiring a director? And I mentioned this to you guys off the air. It's like the, the hub of Wisconsin basketball um, with the Hall of Fame there and the All-Star game there and a variety of other stuff. And so I applied and, and got the job. And in 2010, I was the director at just the game field house. And I was there for almost seven years. And in that time, we expanded the building. And we were running tournaments, but we started an AAU program. And the first summer, we had two teams, and I coached both of them. And then by the time I left, I think we had 26 was, was the biggest we ever had it. And I was in charge of all of them and all of our camps, um, everything we did. So needless to say, I got a lot of repetition in coaching, in camps, in teaching, and just understanding how to format camps and, and move lots of kids through things efficiently because you didn't have a lot of time. So I, I was really thankful for that opportunity. And then I started at Madison College. Uh, as the head coach in 2016 and I was uh, was the head coach for two years um, you know first year we were 20 and 10 and it was the best record they'd had in the modern era you know it's a junior college I, I should have mentioned that to you guys so we're in the NJCA and um, we had a really good first year I had a first team All-American that year and then had a bunch of guys coming back we're going to be really successful uh, in that first year when my daughter was born five weeks early premature she was in the neonatal intensive care unit and uh, my wife, you know, got through that on her own amazingly because I was going from the hospital to practice back to the hospital. And it was just a crazy time. I don't know how we survived, but we did. Uh, and then my second year, you know, I, I got to a point. It was a Saturday game. My wife brought my daughter to the game. And it was the first time I'd seen her all week because I was out recruiting every night around the road with games and, and just uh, had to really think about what was going on with and what was really important to me. You know, I'm teaching other people's kids or should I be worried about my own child? And I, I made the selfish decision. And I think it's the right decision for me to, to worry about my own child. So since then, I've started my Billy Kegler basketball and I do a lot of camps. Um, I go all over the country. I do a lot in the Midwest. 
and preseason camps for teams, uh, youth youth camps and stuff that way too. And then I have a lot of buddies who coach high school, college, and so they'll send me film or ask me to do scouting reports for them. And I keep my pulse on the game that way. Um, and, and I just I love it. It's part of my life, and it, it always will be. So I'll definitely be back in it for sure. So that's how I got to where I am today with, um, you know, my journey. Wow. That's, uh, that is certainly unique with all the people that we've had here on the podcast and coach, I'm going to follow up with a question for you in a minute, but if you've listened to the show, you know, sometimes I have to throw trivia questions at my co-host that he doesn't know the answer to. So Brian, the, uh, the okay, question go ahead, today is the question today is what Gamecock great played for the New Zealand breakers. I've, I've got to go with John Chapel. Nope. Nope. Uh, Okay. What Gamecock great and former Ridgeview assistant coach played for the New Zealand Breakers? And former Ridgeview assistant coach. I'm going to go, well, wait a minute. Well, Cameron Lee didn't play in, in New Zealand. Wait a minute. Gamecock great. All-time great Gamecock. Yeah, Carlos Powell. Carlos Powell played for the New Zealand Breakers. Oh, see, I'm thinking of him as a JV coach. Yeah, so Carlos Powell played in the – okay, okay, all right. I'm good with that. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, so Carlos Powell coach, he, yeah, he was an absolutely all-time great from Florence, South Carolina. So, okay. So, I, <laughs> did I get that one right? I, I feel like uh, – Too many hints. He played for the yeah. Breakers probably a little after you were there, Bill, like I think like 06, 07, a couple years into his pro career. But uh, <laughs> I remember that he was on the New Zealand Breakers. Right. Uh, you get a half point for that one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think – I feel like I was like one for three on that one. So, but uh, whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, coach, like I said, since your journey is unique uh, and a little bit different than, than a lot of the people we've had on here, talk about um, the things that you did to build that basketball hub and, and to run the camps and expand the AAU program. So I think that's fascinating. Yeah, I think my greatest asset is my work ethic. And my wife will tell you that I don't sleep a lot. Um, just because when I have something that I set my mind to, I do everything it takes to, to make it successful. And that's my competitiveness coming out. And I live in a win or lose world. I don't live in this, you know, everybody gets just participation medal world. So when I was there, it was always about beating our numbers, beating our participation numbers. And it's really about building relationships. And I think you'll hear this a lot from people is it's about who you know, not what you know. And so I just started building relationships and I was fortunate enough to have relationships with a lot of the really successful high school coaches in Wisconsin. Bob Heffley is a name who's won 10 state championships. He's since retired. Um, but I knew him from when I was a little kid and to have that relationship, you know, really helps because you have immediate credibility when people like that will vouch for you. And it's about doing the right thing, you know, and, and the big thing I always told my kids and continue to help kids that I'm involved with to be a good person, do the right thing and work hard and good things will happen for you. I never planned to be at just a game. It happened because somebody vouched for me to get that job and it was a great position for me. I never planned to be the head coach at Madison College, but because of all the work that I did to be successful and improve things, it, it kind of landed in my lap. And then, you know, the success that we had as a team, um, you know, was, was there too. And then it brings individual success. I was the conference coach of the year my last year and that is voted on by my peers, which, you know, I was really appreciative of because, you know, we have a, had a lot of really good coaches in our league. Um, you know, and there's still great coaches in that league and at the junior college level who, who do a great job. Coach, I had a professor my senior year of college, Steve Garris, who was just my all time favorite, taught 
organizational behavior, which I, most people fall asleep half, but halfway before I finish that, just that two word statement. Um, but he, he talked about just having experiences. He said, just go, go have experiences. Just go have experience, whatever it is, go have experience, talk to people in, uh, in elevators and just go have experience. I mean, just random stuff. Right. And so you really piqued my interest about talking about your travels overseas. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm talking as a guy that in 2009, I, I went to Ireland for the first time and I was absolutely hooked on international travel. And right now in the middle of a pandemic where we can't really travel, I'm just absolutely going nuts where I can't get out. I've learned so much and I haven't done anything basketball wise. It's mostly just been me in a backpack and just traveling and seeing different parts of the world. So I know you talked about it a little bit, but I'd love to hear you go deeper about your time overseas, the things that were different, the things that you really learned and that are really informing some of your decisions now. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Different experiences, you know, diversity and experiences gives you a unique perspective on things. And I was fortunate enough, I went to an English speaking country, which, you know, overcomes a lot of barriers that you could potentially have. But meeting people from all over the world and understanding different philosophies and different reasoning, even from individual perspectives, you know, and um, I was there during the time that Barack Obama got elected. And just hearing them talk about that was, was unique from the other side of the world's type of, you know, viewpoint of things. And it's so cool to get outside your comfort zone. And I know that's hard for people to do. And I hate talking about the box and getting outside your box. But honestly, once you get outside your box, and you start looking back into it, you realize how boring life was. Like, I'm a person who's afraid of heights. And when I was in New Zealand, I bungee jumped and skydived in the same morning. <laughs> I love it. Just because I was around people and they did it. And you look at them and you see that adrenaline. It's the same thing as like a game winning shot and that kind of thing. And again, my competitiveness drew me to it. Like, oh man, I got to have that feeling. Like, I, I just need to know what that is. And it, it's, a, it's a blessing and a curse too, because I'm sure you guys as competitors can understand that when that competitiveness comes in, you kind of put shades up sometime and you try to block out all the external noise. And it's really hard to bring those shades down and just let that raw emotion come over you. I mean, I, there's, I can remember a few times in college, you know, the best time of my life where we're playing in games that are you know, packed gyms and we're having a great time. And I can barely recall some of those things and talking to some of my teammates like, Oh yeah, you didn't hear the student section like this or whatever. And I was like, you know, my competitiveness, I'm focused on what I'm doing. And so th that part was really hard for me. But once I was able to do that when traveling and just take on new experiences and say, I don't know anything about this, but I'm going to do it and then see where it goes. And that was, the, you know, the really neat part. And, and, you know, we could do a whole nother talk on all the experiences that I had in New Zealand, you know, from milk and goats to all kinds of crazy stuff and under underwater glowworm um, rafting. Like there's so many cool things to do in the world that you can't read about in a book or, or listen to. Um, you know, on a podcast or on a TV show or, or what have you, that you just got to get out and kind of just get lost sometimes and see what happens. And, and that's the really cool thing. And I hope that's, that's really helped structure me as an adult, because I know when I was younger, I was very much like by the book, boom, 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 you got to be here, you got to be on time. And just having that kind of get lost mentality at the right time, I think is really important it's for your mental health, if, if nothing else. I have whiplash. I've nodded so much <laughs> here to listening to you talk about it because you're exactly right. Like it, it, that was the, that was a feeling I had when I got back from two weeks overseas, like I said, in 09, I'm like, why am I so worried about 
this and that and this. And that. I mean, yes, there are things that we have to do and all that. I get that, but just just that perspective that and and milking goats. I could talk to you. We can talk about that off here. I'll listen about milking goats all day long. So you I get that travel book. So I have to ask you, what's next on your checklist of a place to travel to? Well, right now I cannot get Iceland out of my mind, okay. and it's the most random thing. Chris will laugh at this. There's a plane crash and nobody died on, thank God, um, of an old American. It's not a DC-3. It was the naval version of it. I can't remember off the top of my head what it is. But it's on a black sand beach in Iceland. And that's I just want to go see that plane and then do all the other things in Iceland. Usually it's one little thing that I'll pick where I'm going. In 09, it was the Open Championship. I wanted to make it to – I made it up, you know, took a train and took a, a ferry over to Scotland and saw the Open Championship and then – did two weeks of amazing things out around that. So right now I'm seeing that plane wreck, but don't, don't ask me why it's just something I want to see. <laughs> I, I love travel as well. Uh, Brian knows that I've traveled. I've had the opportunity to travel as well. And you're so right. Just the, the experiences that it gives you. And, and it's, it's a small, it's even a small experience. I can picture this little convenience store. I stopped in on the road going to the cliffs of Moore in Ireland like I stopped this little convenience store to get like a water and a soda. Like, and I remember what the store looked like. I don't exactly remember where it was, but if you showed me a picture of it, if you showed me a picture of 10 convenience stores in Ireland, I could say it was that one. And this, it was like the lady's house and she lived in the back of it. It was like a regular house. It was like the neatest thing, you know, it just so totally random, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, yeah, I love that. You just, you go to these places and, you know, you can go to like Mexico and go to a resort, but like really the best time you're going to have is just go wander into the city and go get a cab driver and say, take me where you would go. Yeah. You end up in an alley, you know, don't go there at night. Yeah. <laughs> you end up in an alley to a back door um, burger joint. And, you know, you know, one time in Minneapolis this is not even overseas or anything. We ended up in the VFW in Minneapolis. I don't know if y'all have ever been to Minneapolis, yeah. but there's literally a, back door hallway you get into the vfw and there was karaoke night we had the best time and then they kick you out of the back door and you're in the alley and it's just like did that just happen like we're in so you walk through a portal like a time portal yeah yeah, yeah. no doubt that, that was gonna be the thing too just uh, obviously a pandemic right now we can't travel outside much but just traveling within your own if you're on your up within your own city here in south carolina just go a burger joint on the side of the road i mean it's, there's just so many so many things and so many wonderful things to experience out there in this world so i will digress chris take over please I will uh yeah, to get back to a little bit of the basketball stuff coach um again with, with your experiences um what do you see is the role of parents in in youth sports and in basketball coaching today uh cheerleader uh, you know, the Matheny Manifesto was a good book. Mike Matheny was a manager. Yes. So, great book. Great book. Um, and every parent, I feel, should be required to read that book before attending an event. And I, as a parent now, I get it. My role has changed a little bit because I'll do anything to make my little girl have the best experience possible because I want that for her. But I heard something today, and I think it was on a podcast I was listening to, just about the coach who's volunteering their time to coach your child, you should only be supporting them because they're giving up their time to help support your child. If you think they should do, do it better, then why aren't you the person volunteering to give up their time? And, and it was much more eloquent than I just listed it out for you. But the basic point is be a supporter. You know, I'm a big proponent of the first question you should ask your child is, did you have fun? And if not, you know, how could we have changed that? 
Um, and if not, why are you doing it? Uh, that, that type of thing, you know, everybody's like, Oh yeah, your daughter's going to be a, a basketball player. My wife, phenomenal basketball player, way better than I ever was. Um, well, my wife's tall, I'm six, five, you know, like she's going to be tall. And I'm like, you know what? I'll be perfectly happy if she plays the piano, if that's what makes her happy. Um, just because, you know, I've been through this world, you know, of, of have running the youth sports and dealing with the coaches and the parents where, um, yes, sometimes their gripe is warranted. Um, but a lot of times it's irrational. And I think that's probably one of my other biggest assets is my calmness is I can listen to them and then I can say, okay, you've had your time to speak. Now let me try to explain to you what is actually happening because there's two perspectives, your perspective and my perspective. And the truth is always in the middle. I don't care what you say from two different people. There's always some embellishment. So you have to, to understand that, try to take those rose colored glasses off, just support your child, you know, support the coach, unless there's a safety thing involved, that's a whole nother story. But you know, cheerleader is the way to go with it for sure. And I'm sure that I'll break that rule a few times, but at the end of the day, I've had enough experiences where I want to be the dad in the corner with his earbuds in, you know, just supporting my kid and nothing else above everything else. Coach, I love what you said there about your own daughter, about, uh, you know, if she wants to play the piano and that's what makes her happy, you know, then you'll go to piano recitals. That's sort of what you'll do. Uh, Brian knows I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, okay? And he has a daughter who has been into um, – she does equestrian. And she did it as a youth. Now she's in her 20s, and she still does it sort of professionally. And I saw a video literally two days ago of him at an equestrian event in France watching his daughter, and he couldn't have been happier. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this is a guy that lives and breathes music. It's all he's ever done in his life. And his daughter likes to do horse jumping and equestrian events, and he couldn't have been happier sitting there watching his daughter. Yeah, there's. I don't think there's a greater joy in the world. I mean, the, I think most parents would say this, that the day she was born is the best day of my life. There's no doubt about that. And so doing anything I can to support her in any fashion is basically what my life has come to at this point, and I'm perfectly happy with that. I mean, I tell you, you, you said something similar like, like that to earlier in the episode about just – essentially making your decision the the thing that you wanted to do and that's what I'm trying to get across to my coaches as a, as a high school AD and trying to get that across the kids like choose whatever you want to do and then go do it to the best of your ability you know and, and I just I hear a lot of that and what you're sharing and I just I love what you've shared so far and I can't wait to hear about what you're about to share so let's go ahead and get to the greatest game now and so take us into the gym take us into the arena let's let's feel the sweat let's hear the crowd so let's hear about your greatest game coach yeah so we're a junior college we're division three so we're not non-scholarship and in our league we have some d2 um scholarship schools so triton college which is out of uh, illinois right outside of chicago is a powerhouse steve christensen is the coach there and does a great job and he's become a good friend of mine and there was something like my first year we went into the gym and played there and it was, you know, the first game after my daughter was born and we go in and they announce over the speaker, like Triton hasn't lost in this game in 66 straight games. And I'm like, my competitive juices are going. And I'm like, I know we need to win this game because they're going to be at the top of our conference. They're one of the best teams. I'm like, okay guys, like we've been preparing for this team all winter break. It's our first game after winter break. Right. And so we go into it, they press the whole game, whether it's man, one, two, one, one, doesn't matter. They press the whole game. So we've literally for a month been working on breaking the press. 
and and this is a preface to the story i should add that we turned over like the first three possessions so i call a timeout and i pull a card out of you know one of my mentors books and i take the team down to the end of the bench so the camera can't see us and i just light them up i give them the frank martin eyes i know you guys had frank on and you know those eyes that can see through people and, and i was i just called them out and i was like this is going to be a really long night if we continue this we end up turning it around we still lose by like 13 so about a month later we play them at our house and i'm probably going to break the mold again so we actually lost this game but it's still one of the best games i've ever been involved with and they're top ranked in V2 at the time. And we're playing really well. And I'm like, okay, you know, guys, it's time to show them how much you can improve. And it's tight back and forth the whole game. And we get to the last 13 seconds of the game. And we have the ball down one in front of our bench. Call a timeout. Draw up the play. It's essentially meant for the inbounder to step back, inbound to the wing, catch, shoot, make the shot, game's over, life's great. So right before we go out of the timeout, I switched to two players and I took my best shooter from the inbounder spot and moved him coming off a, a elevator screen on the baseline. And I moved my smartest, most reliable kid to the inbounder because I'm like, well, if I don't get it inbounds, it doesn't matter. And he's a second year kid. I got to ride him. So it worked out perfect. I put my best player in the backcourt. They took the guy off the ball and doubled him. So I was like, great, I'm going to get the shot I want, right? So we throw it in, comes back to the kid, stepping from in from out of bounds, and Dante Thorpe from Triton, played at Northern Illinois, playing pro overseas now. I don't know where he came from, because in film you can't see it, from the backcourt and blocked this kid's shot out of nowhere. And they got the ball back, we fouled, and made two free throws. We had a, a shot at the buzzer to send it overtime, we missed it. And I was, this is the greatest game, because I'm all about progress. And from where we were the first time we played them, to being at the point where we should beat one of the best teams in D2 um, was such the progress that we needed to make because we competed to a point where they pulled the press off because we were dicing them. I mean, we were getting layups, and it was such a beautiful thing. You know, after the game, I ran into Steve, you know, Triton coach in the hallway, and he was just like flabbergasted. He's like, I don't know how we got out of here with the win. You know, that was amazing. And then probably the cherry on top of it was one of my wife's uh, family friends was there, and he played college basketball and a basketball guy. And the perception of junior college basketball in Wisconsin is pretty low just because we don't have a lot of them and people don't really understand. And that's kind of my biggest thing is to overcome that stigma. And he looked at me, he goes, you guys are amazing. Like I did not come in here expecting to see that level of basketball for that amount of time. You know, there was probably 45 people in the gym, but the intensity level was so high because it was back and forth. It was just so fun to be part of and to see the progress, you know, that we had made was why it was kind of our greatest game. Um, and I have such respect for Steve that, that I love competing against them as well, is why it's been so fun. And that, you know, that shot got blocked. I went up to the office right after the game and I had the video guy said, pull this up. I need to see where he came from because my guard was on the free throw line on the other end and they were double teaming him. And, and we had the camera angle just down on our basket and he just came flying into the screen and blocked the shot. And I was like, well, it's just a great play. Nothing you can do about it, right? Yeah, just talk about it. When, you're, when your kids do, you know, Brian has talked about this one play on, on the show a couple times where your kids do what you ask them to do, do everything right, and, and sometimes you don't win. You know, like what do you say to the guys after something like that? You know, there's nothing you can say. I'm I'm a big guy, big believer of not talking after the game. Like, oh, thank you. I just felt <laughs> Coach Kegley, you're my favorite coach in the world. In any sport, on any level. 
you had Frank Martin on this podcast, and you're going to call me your favorite coach. Yeah. Of the world. That's pretty high yeah, coach Fogler, who hired me for the first time. I love Coach Fogler. You are the best. Uh, there's too much talking after the game. Just yeah, they're not listening the next day. They're not listening. No, thank you. So we meet in front of the bench, and I said, "You got tomorrow off. We're back at it Monday. Refocus yourself. Have a good weekend. Get out of here." And that's it. Like there's no magic words that are going to soothe, you know, the, the worst is when the season ends, there's nothing you can say to make that better and, and to try to drag that on, you know, and one thing I learned in college from a teammate of mine, you know, I've mentioned this in other podcasts I've been on is less is more. And, and that's something I've carried with me, um, trying to always do more and, and always throw more things on your plate. It's good sometimes, but I think you have to kind of understand when you need to step back and, and have less as being more for you, you know, as a personal thing. And so that that's a big thing. I, I don't know. What would you say to him after that? Well, I, I will, I'll jump in on that one, Coach. I, I'm with you, and I'll, I've, I've got a question after this monologue that I'm about to go down here. But um, I, I see it all the time, and, and I'm trying to remove – judgment when I say this about any any coaches that I come across and um that the, the games are won and lost and what you're describing in that game there you did everything that you're supposed to do the coach opposing coach comes to you I don't know how we got out of there without with that with that win oh my god and like they just ended up with more points than than you guys did and and, and you know what the world is still going on and now is now going back to this this travel idea we're talking about the world still spins. Like it's okay. Like I'm, yeah, I'm disappointed. I'm upset that we lost, but the world goes on. And like you said, there is nothing that you can say. Like I've lost many a games as a coach and as a player, I cannot tell you one bit what a coach said after any of those games. None. I just, I know what that coach, how he treated me uh, as a player throughout the season. But after the game, like you're right, Chris, I, I love what you say. Like it's, it's just, why, why say anything there? And I, I probably told this on the air before uh, about a coach that came to me years ago before a playoff game and was just so nervous. And he said, you know, what if we lose? And I said, well, what if you lose? And he looked at me like, what do you mean? I mean, like, well, y'all prepared, you've practiced, you've scouted, you're going to, your kids are going to play hard. You can make adjustments. And then after that, you just got to let it go. And so here's my question after that monologue, like I told you, <laughs> is where did that come from for you? Did, did that come from your dad as a, as a coach and you were growing up? Did that come from working camps? Did that come from overseas? Where, where did that come from for you? Um, my dad could talk for days, so it's not my dad. Um, <laughs> so Scott Vesterdahl, who was the coach, you know, prior to Madison College to me, uh, is, was a mentor of mine. That's what he always did. And, you know, I, I just kind of took that as – this is the right thing to do. Why are we doing the same thing like pregame warmups? Why are we coming off the court to go into the locker room? I don't, I never quite understood that personally. You know, if we have the game plan. We're just staying out there and we'll get to it. And just some of those things, you know, when you take over as head coach, you want to make some things yours. There's a lot of things you need to not touch. If it's not broke, don't fix it. And, and you know, that was one of them that I think I learned from him. And also as a player, you sat through those, they suck. So why do it to your kids? You know, I think, and one of the John Wooden isms, um, you know, John Wooden is, is a guy that, you know, I think a lot of people revere. I was fortunate enough to meet him when I was in high school at an AAU tournament. Oh, wow. And uh, he always said, you know, you do the coaching in practice. You don't have to do it in the game. And, and that's kind of been, been through my life. Like Bob Heffley's a guy that I mentioned to you guys earlier who has a 10 state championship. That was him to a T. 
he would just sit on the bench with his legs crossed and his players would go out and win the game. It's because they did the work ahead of time. And I was not necessarily always that way as a coach, um, but it's what I strive to do, you know, because teaching is, is really what I value in this. And, you know, in ultimate life, I would have been an educator, um, but I love to teach. And that's the really cool thing about the junior college level. You know, is you have, you know, if you have 18 guys on a roster, you probably got at least 12 new guys every year. So you have to teach everything every single year. And that's what's so cool about it. Um, it's just you always get to be an educator and make an impact on their life. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, because you they text you or they come back and see you. And yeah, there's there's and you guys have probably been through this. They don't get why you did what you did at the time. You know, they thought it was unfair or whatever, but they come back later with their own kids or whatever it may be. And they're like, oh, now I understand why you did what you did and say, yeah you know, and I'm the one who had to be strong enough not to be pissed at you at the time for throwing the ball at the other kid. And then I had to suspend you and, and all those. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, you know, you got to stick to your guns and, and that's something I firmly believe in too, because if you're going to be wishy-washy, the kids will see right through that. Yeah. And that, that was some of one of my downfalls too, as a coach, like just wanting to explain, like, you're going to appreciate this when you're 25 or when you're 40, like they have no clue, just do my job and just get out of there. And maybe they appreciate it and maybe they don't, but anyway, I digress. Most of them wind up do if the lessons are taught right, I think, you know, that's, that's what I think anyway. Yeah. Like you said, like you said, Brian, you don't remember the post-game speeches, but you remember how the coaches you played treated you and, Mm -hmm. and they helped mold you into the wildly successful, handsome young man you are today. Oh, thank you so much. I didn't know we got into a dating podcast. (laughs) Oh, hello, hello. Coach, we like to end this on a fun question. Um, if I ask kids that have played for you throughout the years on the different levels you've coached and stuff, what is one thing they would say that you repeat over and over again, either a practice or a game? Um, well, all, all, the, all the levels. Well, there's probably two. Um, and one of them I still use when I do, like, camps and stuff. Um, I, ask, I ask a kid if, if, they're, if the opponent smells good. Does he smell good? And they'll say, no, I said, then why are you hugging him? So I'm a defensive guy. I love defense. And we're always, you know, off of the weak side in the paint. And so I'll walk up to him. I'll put my arms around him. I'll give him a big hug. And one of two things happens. They get extremely embarrassed and they figure it out. Or they embrace it and they give you a hug back. And then you make your point and you say, he doesn't smell that good. So get off him and get to the outside. And I still use that. Like when I go do preseason camps for high school teams. And these kids don't know me from boot. And yeah. in the first 10 minutes, I'll go hug one of them. And then, you know, you get a chuckle, chuckle you break the ice, and it's all good from there. Uh, and the other one um, is, is regarding competitiveness. Just because with the AAU world, these kids play so much now that they don't value the competition. Like, they lose whatever. I'll have another game in an hour. I'll go yeah. play. And it just drives me bonkers. And so – I'll, I would bring up at various points, you know, in the season, I said, do you guys understand that I don't own a checkerboard at my house anymore? And again, I get that dumb look and they'll say, what do you mean? I said, because my wife and I, before we were married, played checkers and I beat her so bad every single time she took it and threw it across the room and broke it. We don't have one anymore because I won't give up. And I need you guys to understand what it takes to be competitive and really care about winning. And I've had, you know, them tell me that a few times, like, have you played checkers yet? Like, no, I haven't played checkers. I'm waiting for my daughter to be old enough so I can play her. But the problem is we play Candyland and I beat her in that. So it's just, it doesn't. 
<laughs> well, that's the balance though, right? I mean, as much as I love what we've talked about and I love everything that we've talked about in this episode, um, it's been one of my favorites to it, but we, we are competitive. We want to win. And I was, I was like, I haven't told you this. I'm doing Toastmasters online, which Toastmasters, if you don't know about Toastmasters, Google it, join a Toastmasters group in your area. It's all about public speaking, leadership. It's a, it's awesome. It's a hoot. But I got into this competition, uh, they call it a table topics competition. And I'm like, ah, you know, I'll just enter this, whatever it's, you know, I'll just, I'll just do it. And I got in the, in the zoom room and I'm like, I'm going to win this thing. I'm going to, I mean, it just, it just started coming out, you know, and I, and I didn't win. I finished second and, and I, and, but I had nothing but love for the guy that won it. We were talking like, Oh, it was great. I love what you said there. What I said, you know, whatever. It's like, I wanted to win, but also the world, like we said, the world kept spinning that I, even though I didn't win. And so that's that, that balance between what you're talking about. Like just, I don't know. It's just, I don't know if that makes any sense at all. But. Yeah. Yeah. The world comes up tomorrow. And, and one thing, you know, that I'd like to give a shout out to. So, there's been a guy who's been the manager for basketball and baseball at Madison College for 43 years. He works in a cafeteria. His name's Big Dog. And he's one of my best friends. I love Big Dog. And he has two kinds of days. He has good days and he has great days. Mm-hmm. And when you have that kind of perspective around you every day, you're like, you know, there's nothing really that big in the world that's going to cause any issues because it's either going to be good or it's going to be great. I have no other option. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say we know a guy like that who was the equipment manager in South Carolina, but he had awful days and horrible days. We're the only two, <laughs> we're the only two kinds Mac had. Am I right, Brian? <laughs> it's 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 only fun. It's good funny because it's true. It is only way though. He had good days and great days. He was the same way. He was around the program there for. 40 years but yeah uh, he's, he's the best. <laughs> we're gonna efforting so hard to get him on this podcast but uh, we'll see maybe one day we can make it happen <laughs> anyway coach tell us a little bit about billy kegler basketball and what you're doing at this point yeah it's basically a referral you know people want me to work out their kids who, who know me i have a, a relationship with uh, i i like to do camps in the summertime obviously this year didn't allow for that but I'll go do preseason camps, you know, for high school coaches and, and they'll tell me what they're trying to implement offensively or defensively. And then I'll, I'll incorporate that into the skill work that, that we do with them. So uh, I'll travel just about anywhere to do it. You know, I, I have uh, a lot of buddies who have done that. Mike Lee's a guy who, who's gotten out of it now, but he was a name for a while who did a lot of stuff all over the world. And, and it's just to keep my finger in the game because I love to teach and I love to interact with kids and, and a couple of the kids right now, like the biggest passion I have is going to talk to them about their daily life. It's not even about the basketball stuff we do. It's, you know, the college visits are going on, their online classes that they're, they're going through right now and just building those relationships um, and continuing to build them with kids is the most fun part. Cause like I mentioned previously, is I just love to teach and I can give back to the game because I've been really fortunate to have a lot of really cool experiences, um, you know, in my life that, we haven't even began to scratch the surface how fortunate I have been in my life with some of those things. And so if I can provide those types of opportunities for more kids, that's what it's all about for me. Well, coach, you know, I love that Billy Kegler ball at, it's at Billy Kegler ball on Twitter. And maybe, you know, maybe there's a collaboration opportunity here one day in the future. We can just all hop on a plane after this pandemic and I don't know, travel to New Zealand again, or maybe, I don't know, Molly, we'll do a, a podcasting basketball camp tour together and just support mm-hmm. each other as we travel the world. I don't know. Is anybody interested in that? I mean, I am 1000% interested <laughs> in it, Brian. <laughs> right. Brian, we can get tomorrow. in touch with our guy in Ireland who does basketball over there. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. JP. That's right. The great JP Nervin. That's right. So, 
yeah, we never know, but you never know what this world will hold. But, but Coach Kegler, just again, just can't thank you enough for, for coming on the show. It's been super enlightening, super entertaining. And again, just can't thank you enough for, for enlightening us here for the last 45 minutes or so. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to share my story. And, and if anybody ever wants to reach out and talk hoops or, you know, has questions about anything, hit me up on Twitter. I'll get back to you. You know, I, I'd love to speak to um, like coaching theory classes and different sport management classes just to be able to share my story and help people. And, and I have interns all the time too. So if you need an internship in the sport management world, hit me up. There you go. There you go. That was the, the greatest thing I ever did was work and not get paid, but uh, maybe we'll do another episode on that one day. But for this one here, we'll let's go ahead and button this one up for my co-host, Chris de Blasio. I am Brian Rosefield. And thank you for listening to this episode of the greatest games. <laughs>